Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to the Men of Valor Program. Randy, today we're continuing our journey through the Faithful and True workbook. Well, this study that we've been doing, Mark, for several weeks now on healthy sexuality has uh, really been going quite well, and we're getting a lot of really positive comments from our listeners. Uh, Last show, we had just started to talk about the subject of magical thinking and spirituality as we are looking at the spiritual dimension of healthy sexuality. And this uh, is a tough one because uh, tough in the sense that some of us are codependent at some level and we don't like stepping on toes and possibly offending people and all of that. But to talk about the fact that there are even levels of maturity when it comes to spirituality, I think, runs the risk of stepping on people's toes. Well, last week when we started uh, this, uh, this chapter, you were talking to us about our spiritual history. That's and, right. And how that influences us, uh, you know, throughout our life and especially into adulthood. And as we get into the subject of magical thinking, you know, what? why was it that you chose the word magical? Because I know that in, in Christian circles, I have uh, recognized high sensitivity to the word magical sometimes, as if uh, we're talking about magical, inferring, mystical, uh, wizardry. It's not my term. It it comes out of some of the research that's been done over the years by developmental psychologists and theologians who are also uh, psychologically trained enough to know that people develop in terms of their maturity over time. And magical thinking is a term that's often been applied to adolescent development. There you go. So... The preoccupation, for example, right now with with magic, Harry Potter, with you know the vampire stuff, the dark stuff, the light stuff, the hero stuff, you know, points to the fact that we all like the battle between good and evil and uh, dark and light. And magical thinking means that there are forces out there in the universe that are capable of providing magical answers, magical transformations. And in our field of uh, addiction, one of the angers that we sometimes run up against is the anger that some of the addicts had, because for most of them, their their sexual addiction does go back to their adolescence, and they began hoping, even in adolescence, that God was the kind of God that would just reach down from heaven hit them with a lightning bolt, uh, a wave a magic wand over them, and somehow transform their life in such a way that they would never, ever again have an inappropriate sexual thought. Uh, that was true for me. So when God doesn't seem to operate that way, you either have to mature in your faith about who God is, or uh, if you're kind of stuck in adolescence, you wind up getting kind of angry with God. He's not the magical wizard that you would uh, like for him to be. And that can sometimes keep people, even though they are uh, fully saved, fully in relationship with God, fully accepting of, of uh, Christ, uh, they can still have this 
more or less adolescent anger. It's like adolescents who don't get their own way. What do they do? They get kind of rebellious, and they they start doing their own thing, and they they get mad at you, and they say things like whatever, you know. So uh, that's kind of the adolescent place we're talking about here. Well, as I was prepping for today's show, and I noticed uh, I was coming to a, a, a deeper understanding of what you uh, you meant by um, magical thinking. It, it, uh, I came across the section in this chapter where you say, here are some magical solutions you may have tried. And to me, that really brought that terminology into the real world because I think, uh, number one here, have you ever bought a lottery ticket thinking that it will solve all of your financial problems? That's one of my favorites. You know, Part of my magical thinking would say that if I've been faithful enough, true enough, uh, my behavior has been perfect enough, then God will somehow just sell me the quick pick. Uh, because magically, I've also promised God that if he does allow me to win the $200 million, uh, I'm going to tithe. A lot of times with the magical thinking, there's a formula. You know, just like you know, Harry Potter has uh, the incantations and the formulas for the wand or whatever it is. Uh, you say, well, if I say a prayer just right, if I do this just right, if I if I pledge to tithe my winnings, God will just magically tell me the uh, six numbers, and therefore God will get ten percent. The listeners might be aware of some rather famous evangelist uh, historically who kind of are on that uh, more black and white side of things. Right, and they're trying to raise funds by uh, uh, insinuating that such things are, are possible. Yeah, I, this is where we start stepping on toes, but one of them that's dead now, Oral Roberts, I mean, he, he did, in fact, uh, kind of um, uh, stray in that direction, and he said, if I don't get $3 million in the next week, God is going to take me home. Right. That's kind of an adolescent way of looking at how God relates to us. Well, kind of thematically, you kind of hit the nail on the head on another one of the points that say, you bargained with God that if I performed a certain action, God would do a certain action in return. That's right. And you can hear that all the time sometimes in the church. If This comes up a lot with fundraising. So in other words, if you will pledge, if you will tithe, if you will give, God is going to bless you back. And don't get me wrong, I think that there's an inherent blessing in giving to the church and giving to God. I think uh, there's a lot of good feelings that will come out of that. Will God kind of just automatically now reward you financially for doing that? I think that's at least asking the listeners to think about uh, the level of theological maturity that that represents. Well, I like the fact that you're inviting the listeners. In the case of the workbook, you're inviting the reader uh, to think in their own experiences, what have you done that uh, you were hoping in return God was going to compensate you for? Uh, even to the point of there's a, there's a current ad on right now uh, for NFL football in which it shows all of the craziness that fans will do. Uh, right. If it works, if my team keeps working, then I'm going to wear the one purple and one gold sock on game day because, hey, when I did that last time, we won. This kind of superstitions. Uh, Boston, who won the World Series this year, they had something going with beards. Uh, yeah, you're right. The commercial is really kind of funny about some of the uh, athletic superstitions that we that we really have. So how does this really relate to as... Uh, as we move forward, this magical thinking, what's the, correla uh, the correlation then as you're looking at 
spirituality growing in a mature manner. Well, and it's really interesting. Let me introduce this by saying that you know, over the years, in terms of my own studies and theological pursuits, I've I've read a lot of the great theologians, the great writers about this very kind of topic, and everyone, everyone says that one of the signs of of spiritual maturity is the ability uh, to be open and tolerant and firm in your uh, convictions about what you believe, but also open to other people's beliefs. And one of the things that comes out of this in terms of, we're seeing more and more evidence uh, of this in terms of theological writing, and that is the ability to deal with the what we call here the ampersand or the symbol for and. So many times, I think, realities coexist, uh, theological realities coexist. For example, uh, Jesus is both God, ampersand, and he is human. So um, the fact that God's only son became a man is, in fact, the ability for two separate realities to exist. He can be both God and man. Um, In our field, we oftentimes say that sex addiction and sexual sin is is atrocious. It's it's egregious. It's a terrible thing. But we could say also that so-and-so might be a very good man, a good father, um, some of the time at least a good husband, and he, he also struggles with sexual sin. Those can coexist. So that's different than saying in black and white thinking and magical thinking, you would say, well, John seemed like he was a great man or a good father or a good husband, but, you know, he did all this sexual sin. The but negates everything that comes before it. So we like to think that there's a maturity around getting to gray. You know, there's a lot of things in life that just aren't as black and white as some people would like to make them. Well, and especially when you and uh, and Debbie here at our center are dealing with the couples, you so often see, especially in the case of the wives, where it's obvious, um, I love my husband and I hate this involvement with uh, sexual impurity. Well, that's right. I love my husband and I hate his uh, behaviors. I, right. I hate his history. I love my husband and I'm in a lot of pain. Uh, so in other words, love and pain can coexist. Right. Uh, you know, it's not that I love my husband, but I'm in so much pain. How could I love him? That would be a black and white statement. Exactly. Well, we're just starting to, to really open this subject up. And I think that uh, as we go to break right now, uh, I like the fact that you uh, have invited the the listeners to think of their own uh, magical solutions that they might have tried. I also like where you say magical thinking seeks formulas to appease or please God for selfish purposes not to serve him. That's exactly it, and that's one of the keys. With so many of the topics that we talk about, what is your motivation? If your motivation is to manipulate God, that's probably adolescent. If your motivation is to serve God, that's probably mature. There's not uh, a... uh a long string of cases where people successfully tricked God uh, through through their uh, uh, through their actions. As far as I know personally, it's just my opinion, but I've never known of such a case in which God has been fooled. That's right. Well, listen, you're listening to Dr. Mark Laser. This is the Men of Valor program. We'll take a short break, and we'll be right back. I'll tell you. 
you struggle with the use of pornography? Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sexual addiction and compulsive behavior issues. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. Our Men of Valor three-day intensive workshops, led by Dr. Mark Laser and Dr. Greg Miller, are the most effective and affordable treatment program in the country. Our workshop alumni rate our workshops as life-changing. We also offer workshops for spouses and couples. If you're ready to make a change in your life and are seeking a treatment program provided by the top Christian experts in the sexual addiction field, visit us today at faithfulandtrue.com to learn more. That's faithfulandtrue.com. Time now for the Trigger of the Week. Trigger of the Week, Randy. Um, You're going to like this one. I haven't told you before the show started, but uh, given our conversation yesterday at lunch at our, you know, staff meeting at our palatial offices here in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, um, we were talking about some of the reality talent shows, were we not? Yes, we were. The Voice, X Factor, uh, America's Got Talent, and Dancing with the stars and even american idol american idol how could i forget the uh, granddaddy of them all well i i'm just including uh the reality talent shows as the trigger of the week and one of the conversations we were having is we were kind of comparing a uh, comparing i'm sorry the uh the uh, appropriateness of attire and mm-hmm. dress and so forth on these shows and uh, I'll be honest with the audience, Debbie and I took dance lessons a while back. We kind of got into watching Dancing with the, the Stars. Our dance teachers were consultants to that show, and so we kind of got into it. And I've noticed, uh, even over the various seasons, that they've, they've had very inappropriate attire. If I weren't 26 years down the road, there's no way I'd turn that show on because it's very, very sexually provocative every week. And... Uh, the unknowing individual that turns on the television and runs across this, maybe very innocently, uh, would find themselves uh, ambushed by what they're seeing on the screen. Ambushed. What what is interesting about some of these triggers like this one is that the the people on the show are likable. Uh, You get involved in their personal lives and history. There's uh, usually one or two of the stars that are, you know, struggling with a terminal illness valerie harper was on this year for example and we all want to like them and we like the judges and we like this and we like that but in the meantime uh in terms of some of the dancing and more so in terms of some of the um the attire the costumes that some of the female dancers in particular are wearing 
Well, now that I think about it, it's not only that. I mean, it's frequently the case that some of the male dancers are dancing shirtless and that kind of thing. So anyway, my trigger of the week is Dancing with the Stars. Well, okay. Uh, let's get back to today's subject, which is that magical thinking and spirituality. And uh, was there any more to touch on there before we move ahead to spiritual discipline? Well, like so many of the lessons in this workbook, we could easily spend a whole half-hour, hour on magical thinking. I think we've already challenged the listeners to evaluate themselves in terms of some of the formulas in their head. I think the next lesson is actually one of the keys to spiritual growth, actually, and that is the uh, lesson about spiritual disciplines. And now, is it not true that spiritual discipline is the vehicle by which we learn to trust? I really think that's true. Spiritual discipline... Really, uh, when you think about the word discipline, that's that's a really interesting word. People kind of get sometimes a negative reaction to that. But at the same time, I think uh, spirituality is something that needs to be practiced. And when you practice it on a regular basis, uh, it becomes what we would refer to as a, a discipline. Praying every day can be a discipline that you get yourself into. Um, Studying uh, scripture can be a discipline that you get yourself into every day. Learning how to quiet your spirit can be a discipline that you can get to every day. Well, speaking of scripture and spiritual discipline, uh, it seems to me that Adam and Eve are the ultimate uh, example uh, when you go to examine spiritual discipline. I mean, why do you think Adam and Eve uh, ate the forbidden fruit? You use that in the book as an example. Well, Adam and Eve had some problem with uh, pride, don't you think? I mean, they, which underneath pride would be a fair amount of anxiety. So in other words, if God says to them, which he did, I will take care of everything. I'm going to put you in a garden, which is absolutely perfect in every way. Um, and you don't need to worry about a thing. That's a theme that's repeated throughout the Bible, by the way, that God protects and takes care of us. And at some point, God said one thing, and that is you can't eat of that particular tree over there, and that tree was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, Adam and Eve felt, I guess, I think, through their anxiety, maybe we need to have some of that knowledge so that we can uh, take care of ourselves. And then, of course, Satan comes along and tempts them to to do that very thing, and that's what we call original sin. It's kind of a pride and an anxiety issue, I believe. Well, spiritual discipline seems to go hand in hand with spiritual maturity. Is that not true? That is true. Okay. And and so uh, I think there are probably many people out there, whether it be insecurity or whatever, who might think that they don't have much discipline. They and they and they might not, Randy. I mean, they might have enough discipline to uh, go to church every Sunday. Um, They might sit in church and take notes uh, on the teaching that Sunday. They might have enough discipline to occasionally go to a a bookstore and buy a Christian book and maybe read it. I, you know, the men that we work with are not the best readers. They they start lots of books and don't finish them. Right, right. Uh, it's hard to stay on track. It is hard to stay on track, particularly with 55% of our men having ADHD. By the way, which is inherently difficult if you say to somebody, I'd like for you to sit quietly on a daily basis for maybe 15 minutes. And, and meditate. Meditate, pray, and that kind of thing. Some of our listeners will remember that we had... Uh, uh, Jay Dennis on our show uh, several months ago, and Jay Dennis uh, got really uh, hooked into one of the spiritual practices called Lexio Divina, which is basically a 15-minute-per-day uh, period of time where you quiet yourself and study, read, contemplate, meditate upon a, uh, a particular 
a, a scripture passage. It's a spiritual discipline that's existed uh, for centuries, and uh, he has told us that you know getting over a thousand men in his church to participate in that kind of spiritual discipline has transformed the men's ministry in his church. And what that basically means is that some of the men in his church are maturing into the um, men that God wants them to be. Or as you would say in your book, becoming a man of valor. Becoming a man of valor. Now, I, here's one thing I'm aware of. I, you know, I, I, can, I can just sense it. When we bring up this topic of spiritual discipline, how many of our listeners out there had a shame attack? You know, they, they have said to themselves that they would love to do that, that they, would, uh, they should do that, they need to do that. They have beaten themselves up about this. They feel guilty about it. I just don't read like I should. I don't study scripture like I should. I don't pray like I should. If you're having such a shame attack uh, right now, be of uh, good courage and cheer. I, I, I think there's a lot of answers to this. And some of the same kind of accountability that we teach here at Faithful and True that will help the men stop their negative behaviors can also be brought to bear to help the men start new behaviors. And some of the new behaviors that can start is, you know, spiritual practice. That's another term that we sometimes use, spiritual practices like meditation, like reading. Journaling would be another one. So many of the men here carry around uh, journals, which I always, you know, enjoy seeing. Uh, they journal uh, their awarenesses. They, they journal their prayer life. Journaling your prayer life, by the way, is a really fascinating idea. I was listening to David Jeremiah, one of the great preachers in our country today, and he said that uh, 15 years ago, he started journaling what he was praying about on a daily basis. And uh, he said the, the great part about that is that, you know, five years later, 10 years later, he'll take out let's say, his journal from the year 2000. When he reads his prayers from the year 2000, now it's 2013, he can see, in fact, how God is answering those prayers. Uh, that is a matter of spiritual uh, discipline and practice and, and uh, meditation and so forth, and that, that will bring with it spiritual maturity, which I think is actually one of the themes of the show today. I like how in the workbook you give the recommendation of saying the following affirmation five times. I can be a person of spiritual discipline. And just that affirmation, saying it sincerely to yourself five times, really plants that seed and starts you in that direction. Yeah, and I would also suggest that if you are in an accountability group, and we know that there are accountability groups listening to the show, remind each other on a daily basis of the fact that you can be a person of spiritual discipline, and what kind of reminders do you need every day to actually take the time to do those things of spiritual discipline which you are committed to. And reading passages of Scripture like Romans twelve twelve, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, all of these are, you know, those helpful hints that will get a person on that right track. One of the reasons that we, we like Scripture memorization is because there are times when you can just reach inside yourself and bring up God's Word so that it can remind you of truth. So many of the people that we work with here have messages inside themselves about being bad and worthless people, terrible Christians, terrible at spiritual discipline, and God's Word, if it's 
guarded inside of ourselves, studied on a regular basis, meditated upon, memorized at certain points, that's a spiritual discipline, then we have that resource inside of ourselves to remind us of the truth. It seems to me that the book kind of wraps up this healthy sexuality model by talking about spirituality at the center. And spirituality at the center seems to kind of recap these earlier uh, uh, dimensions that we talked about. Uh, as we end today's show, how would you kind of summarize where we have been with the personal and the relational and the spiritual uh, dimensions that we've been studying? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And yeah, to be rather short about it, what we're basically saying here is that spirituality is at the center of the model. So the, it's the key word right smack dab in the, in the visual uh, uh, diagram. You know, around it are the physical dimension, the behavioral dimension, the relational dimension, and the personal dimension. What we're saying there is that spirituality is a part of every dimension. You talk about physical self-care, even healthy sexuality mechanically. We know that healthy sexuality is a spiritual thing. It's a matter of fact that it's the expression of the connection of a husband and wife in the covenant of marriage. We also know from Scripture that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that if we're doing physical self-care, we're really taking care of the temple. In the relational dimension, we know that you know through the power of the Holy Spirit, that uh, community, fellowship, accountability, you know, is a matter of, in fact, spiritual discipline. Learning how to serve uh, others for the right motivation, learning how to talk openly and honestly and be a truth teller and not a liar, that is a spiritual act. The behavioral dimension in terms of accountability and change, spiritually it's Romans 7.15, original sin-wise, we know that we're all tempted to, to not continue stopping something that we want to stop or starting something that we we uh, want to start. And to make change in our life, which is the behavioral dimension, is a spiritual commitment. And then finally, in that personal dimension, we're all wounded. We're all uh, got uh, core beliefs inside ourselves based on our histories. And uh, we need to be reminded of God's love for us, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, and that God has a purpose and plan for our life. And he can even use any of the traumas in our life to grow us up and be stronger and to be more dependent on him. Well, we certainly hope that this study that we've been engaged with for the past several weeks on healthy sexuality has been a blessing to you and is going to help you in making a serious change or transformation in your life. We're excited to announce that starting uh, with our next show, we're going to move ahead uh, and start uh, a study on recovering from sexual sin. And uh, the, the first unit in that model is going to be sexual sin and sexual addiction in Dr. Uh, Dr. Mark Laser is probably the best authority that can be addressing this subject for us. So we thank you for listening to the Men of Valor program. You've been listening to Dr. Mark Laser. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host, and we want to thank Ben Laser. Ben is our technical director and our engineer, and uh, every week does an incredible job for us. So until we rejoin you again next week, God bless you, and thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at faithfulandtrue.com. That's faithfulandtrue.com.